Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This guy is a machine. All he does is work out and pick winners. Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. Oregon's down by 12. They're on the 45-yard line with no timeouts. Oregon's got an All-American field goal kicker. Why didn't somebody tell me? Chicago Sports Betting Show. Touchdown, Ohio State. There are some folks who are celebrating and others who are saying, you've got to be kidding. You kind of know what I'm thinking about. Over or under? Under would be the key word. Bet with an edge. He'd find out the kind of inside stuff nobody else knew, and that's what he put his money on. He even figured out the different bounce you got off the different kinds of wood they used on college basketball courts, you know? Early odds with Joe Ostrowski. A friend of mine is very smart, said I've been very lucky with gambling. I've never won. Saturday mornings on 670 The Score and the Radio.com app. We can't top a perfect 5-0 NFL card. Yeah, 5-0 last week right here on Early Odds, but we are on a two-week number four of the season. By the way, you can find my Bears-Vikings betting column with my pick and some props for the game up on 670thescore.com every single week. Our guest is Adam Chernoff. He's the host of the Simple Handicap podcast. He does NFL work for Pinnacle and Matchbook. Adam, this podcast is just fantastic. For those on the go in the morning, it's 15 quick minutes, and you're just updating everyone on what's going on in the NFL markets. And people can follow Adam on Twitter by his name, at Adam Chernoff. How are you doing, and thanks for coming on the show today. Doing great. Thanks for having me on. And Yeah, like you said, with the podcast, it's, I've been challenged to give a little bit more value this year. So there's <laughs> some more um, sort of bets and insights on where the market's going to move, but a good way, I hope, for folks listening to stay up to date with the markets every morning. I heard that the other day. You know what I heard when you said you were getting messages stating that? I heard that they want picks because there are some people out there. They just want picks. Don't tell me about the process and all that. Just tell me who's going to win, who's going to cover. Yeah, that's pretty well what a lot of people are after. Uh, a lot of requests for picks, a lot of requests for bets, but hopefully um, I'm giving out a few more of those, but then also just trying to get well ahead of the market early on in the week. Tell us about your background and uh, what you've done in this business, because uh, I know you have a fascinating story. It depends on the, the fascination, but it's certainly been a lot of fun from my perspective. Slowed down a little bit now, but um, I started back almost a decade ago. 2010 was my first year out of school, and I left to the Dominican Republic, bought a one-way plane ticket. And basically, my goal was to see how long I could last. Um, I didn't expect to end up necessarily on the bookmaking side of the business, but I ended up working for uh, two major bookmaking operations out of the Bahamas, and I set NFL prices for them for over um, just about five seasons total. Uh, got into the lottery business shortly after that, which had a rather unfortunate ending, but now for the past sort of three, three and a half years, I'm back to what I think I do best, and that's 
betting on football and then talking about football as well has turned into a bit of a passion with mine with the daily podcast. So uh, having a lot of fun now and slowing down a little bit, but, but still um, awfully active in the betting market. Adam, our neighbors in Indiana and Iowa can hear this show, and uh, they just went legal, legal sports betting. And Indiana is going to have mobile wagering. They're going to launch that coming up next week. So we have a lot of new bettors out there. Are there any tips that you would give some uh, that are very new to this and any common misconceptions that you're constantly running into? Sure. I I think the first one that I would really recommend is to – and it's a pretty obvious one, but don't go ahead and bet over your means. It's probably exciting to be in a situation where you're finding yourself in a regulated environment for the first time. And being in situations myself where I went from being uh, just 18-year-olds to all of a sudden in a country where you can gamble and place on anything and get paid in cash on the very same day or immediately after the games, uh, it becomes very tempting to sort of disregard the account balances that you've been working with online um, now that you know that you're going to get that cash immediately and be able to sort of move the money immediately you're going to want to bet a lot more and that could just put people in in some pretty bad situations Uh, so that would probably be number one when you're entering into a new environment like so many different people are within the united states uh, especially in your area of the country i guess another one too would be don't get caught up in the exotic wagers teasers parlays uh, a lot of things like that any of the props for, for a lot of games and situations, uh, it can be very tempting once you see this availability of all these new wagering options to think that you have an edge for the most part, un- unless you're really connected and involved with, with the markets and getting in at the very right time, you're going to end up in a bad negative expected value situation with parlays and teasers. Um, if you are going to tease, be sure to sort of follow basic strategy, teasing through the three and the seven, never tease totals. Don't get caught up in paying lots for parlays, chasing the big payout. Keep it fun. Try getting in at the best possible time early in the week. Uh, and just enjoy regulated wagering. Don't don't take it too serious until you know the kind of markets that you're dealing with and how they move. And, and try to pay attention to the types of people betting into the market so you can get a better feel for where the numbers are going to go. Adam, that was interesting to me that you decided to include teasers, to stay away from teasers, because they have become so popular over the last few years so much that the books actually changed the odds because the customers were hitting too many of these two-team six-point teasers. So uh, even using basic strategy in the beginning, your message there is just stay away from that and and stick with sides and totals? Yeah, it really depends on the price when it comes to basic strategy. There's something that I've followed for years, but in the last year or two, I've sort of dialed it back a little bit. If you don't really want to be laying any price more expensive than minus 120 with them. And that's a pretty extreme situation as it is. Um, a lot of the work that's been done on them dates back. You can find results going back to like the early 1990s for how successful they have been. But a lot of those numbers are based off when they were six-point teasers for even money or six-point teasers at minus 110. But now you're going to see, especially with these new markets opening up and these new companies entering the market from a corporate level, you're going to be paying minus 120, minus 130. And a lot of the edge from those teasers gets negated by the extra price. So you're going to have to pick and choose your spots. It's not as easy as it used to be. Uh, There's certainly opportunities here and there to take advantage of them, but just be price aware for what you're getting into. All right, let's take a look at week four in the NFL. We'll start off with you. I know you have a play on Kyle Allen in Carolina visiting Houston 
the consensus line, Texans favored by four, and the total sitting at 47 and a half. Yeah, so it's an interesting number from the fact that we haven't seen an enormous adjustment from Cam Newton going out. He was throwing the highest rate of uncatchable passes through the first two weeks of the season. And the the drop back now with him not in the picture really brings up the opportunity for Carolina to get their ball out in space to their playmakers. They have Samuel and Moore, who are two of the most uh, dynamic, quickest playmakers when you get the ball in space. And you're also looking at Greg Olson now emerging as uh, the tight end that we're used to seeing him be um, in the last couple of seasons. So Kyle Allen really not a downgrade from Cam Newton going into this spot to face the Houston Texans. We saw what he did a week ago against the Arizona Cardinals, and I think that can be blown up a little bit by pointing to the fact that the Cardinals' number one and number two cornerbacks on the roster are out. Uh, but how they match up schematically against the Houston Texans really puts them in a favorable position. You can think back to Monday Night Football in the opening week on how soft that defense of the Houston Texans was when they matched up in man coverage. Uh, but if you look closer, you see that trend repeating in the last three weeks uh, against quarterbacks who did not have this playmaking ability that Kyle Allen has around him. So it gets very interesting to see Carolina not only going to have a lot of success moving the football, passing it, but also going to have a lot of success on the ground. And we're seeing this number sort of lingering in a bit of a dead zone available at four and a half, but that's not going to be around Sunday morning. Um, Houston, in my opinion, one of the most overpriced, if not the most overpriced team in the AFC. They continuously have been lucking out with the quarterbacks they're facing, obviously within the division, how that's sort of crumbled around them. Uh, but we're looking at a team that was continuously bet under in the preseason. And now three weeks in, a lot of the market's really disregarding um, all of the work that was done in the offseason, all that perception. And it's really flipped now with Cam Newton going out, especially in this game, and Houston coming in off of a win on the road at L.A., where a lot of people were backing the Texans, rewarded there. A lot of that money's returning here. We're not seeing that price move within the market because the matchup just sets up so well for Carolina. So if you see a four and a half on the board, um, wherever you're playing, you're going to want to get that in before Sunday when this number is no longer available. Adam, on my uh, Radio.com sports betting show, You Better You Bet, we had a conversation about the Panthers and their division odds were plus 550, and the Saints were runaway favorites, I believe, at minus 180. Uh, would you take a stab at Carolina here with so much of the season left at 5 or 6 to 1? Not a huge future players myself, but sort of given the structure of that division, the price, um, certainly within the realm of possibilities. I, I really think that overall there's not an enormous drop-down from Cam Newton as he is today to Kyle Allen, and that's a, a fairly common sort of sentiment shared amongst some of the influential betters within the market. We're sort mm-hmm. of seeing that reflected. So if you're seeing that big of a price uh, and you're into futures and you want to sort of have a stake in the Panthers long-term, I, I don't think it's the worst number you can find, but not really something that I tend to look at playing. Yeah, that was a big over-adjustment. You are dead on there, especially after what we saw from Kyle Allen with the favorite flipping and all that with that game a week ago. I think the line ended up moving five points when it was all said and done uh, by the time we got to the game. Here's where I'm looking at it, and I want to get your thoughts on this. Over at Ford Field, we have the Chiefs visiting the Lions. The big narrative this week, Pat Mahomes on the turf for the very first time in his career. And, uh, Adam, I feel like such a square with this one. But Kansas City, minus six and a half points. And they're the big road favorite. I usually end up staying away from these. Now, the Chiefs offense 
They're near the top in yards per play once again. In the red zone, they're converting third best in all the NFL. Net yards per play, they're fourth, taking the offense and defense into account. And the Lions haven't lost, and here they are as a big home dog going up against the Chiefs. Now, these Lions games are odd because do we really know what Detroit is? That Arizona game that ended in a tie, they probably should have won. And if you're looking at the yardage, they probably should have lost, but they beat the Chargers. You can make the same argument a week ago against the Eagles. And this Lions offense, even at home, I just don't think they'll be able to keep up with Kansas City. So at under a touchdown, I'm willing to lay uh, the six and a half. Your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I'm I'm in agreement with you. Uh, I think the Detroit Lions probably the most fraudulent, uh, depending on how you want to use that term, undefeated team in the NFL through three weeks. As you mentioned, that week one play calling against Arizona in the second half was absolutely bizarre. A game they dominated. And we're actually quite fortunate to get away from whether you point to that Stafford near interception in overtime or a number of plays down the stretch. Uh, just a bizarre finish to that game from the coaching perspective. And then uh, to get very specific, what you said, outgame by more than one yard per play in the home win against the Chargers and then 0.6 yards per play against the Eagles. Both of those numbers reflect a game where both the Chargers should have won by about five and a half points and the Eagles won by about a field goal. Detroit comes out with a victory in both. And you really look at some of their numbers. They're holding opposing quarterbacks to a 40% success rate. And that would probably lead a lot of people to look at the numbers and think that this secondary is performing quite well. But if we want to sort of evaluate for a bit of the noise in this number, you consider who that was against. And you're looking at Kyler Murray in his first ever career start with a head coach in his first ever career start. Philip Rivers on the road. And the Chargers had plenty of injuries going into that game, despite still outgaining the expectation. And then Wentz on the road. I don't think we've seen a team like the Eagles last week with more injuries to playmakers across the board uh, in, a, in a very long time. So all three of those games, despite this defense performing quite well, uh, you really have to question what goes into that. Uh, you mentioned Mahomes on turf. There was some information I saw online where it went back to his college days and looked and some of the numbers he put up were absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> and it's, it's probably easy to think that that's going to occur again. But just the spot itself, um, looking at Kansas City laying such a big number, uh, it's just not a number that I'm going to necessarily get involved with. I think Detroit, looking at the next potentially two to three weeks, um, there's a game where I think we can really take advantage betting against them. I'm almost sort of hoping that they keep this um, at least competitive. Uh, I'll root for you with Kansas City and the cover, but I'm hoping that it, it keeps the perception within the market tight enough that the really big opportunity coming up sometime in the next couple of weeks to fade Detroit results in a nice payday. But nothing for me on this one this week specifically. All right. You're listening to Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. My guest this week, Adam Chernoff. He's the host of the Simple Handicap Podcast. Find his work over at Pinnacle and Matchbook. Let's go to MetLife Stadium. The Redskins are visiting the Giants, and we have the New York Giants. Suddenly they are a field goal favorite, and the total is 49.5, Adam. Yeah, and suddenly they're a field goal favorite, but suddenly they're also a team that potentially can make the playoffs. It's the power of the New York media engine behind Daniel Jones. Um, <laughs> he's got the fancy nickname. He's got all the numbers working in his favor. He's got the, the deep passing and the highlight reel. But, I mean, let's go back, what was it, five months now to draft day. 
And the amount of criticism this organization took over drafting Daniel Jones was probably unparalleled to a first-round draft pick since my beloved New York Jets drafted a fullback about 25 years ago in the first round. There's just some funny YouTube videos up on that one. But you look at what Daniel Jones has done so far. 103 offensive plays between the preseason and regular season. And with all of this hype surrounding him, you would probably expect a pretty significant market reaction bumping the New York Giants price point up, especially when you combine the fact that they're playing the Redskins, which we saw the Chicago Bears toy with to be polite on Monday night football. And so with both of those things going together, you would probably expect that this line would jump up. If we look at the look-ahead lines, which bookmakers in Las Vegas casinos will post a week in advance of the game, they set this game at New York Giants minus two and a half last Tuesday after the Daniel Jones news was announced. So it's not like it's a surprise that he was a starter going into that price. We look at where this number opened this week, the exact same price point minus two and a half. So you're thinking there's all this noise, there's all this hype, but why has the number not moved? There's something else going on here. And if you do a little bit of digging, you look at this giant secondary. Uh, Pro Football Focus, they do a lot of qualitative grading. They have a lot of guys watching the game and evaluating the players from an eye test standpoint. The Giants' cover grade is expressed in a number from 0 to 100 is 32.0, which is by far the lowest in the NFL this league. But if we look in the last 10 years to just express how bad the secondary is, they're the third worst team in the last decade in terms of a coverage grade. And if you want to do a little bit more of a numbers approach, 10.1 yards per pass against. That's 0.1 yards per play better than the Miami Dolphins and a full yard per play worse than the 30th ranked team, which is the Oakland Raiders. So we now are getting to a discussion where we're going from Daniel Jones, Giants, playoff contender, all of this noise to let's look at the numbers. We've seen the Giants in the same conversation with the Oakland Raiders and the Miami Dolphins, and that takes on a very different tone. But where this gets really interesting is you try to put a little more strength within those numbers. You see a 53% success rate against down per down. That's 28. But the Giants have played the seventh easiest schedule of passing offenses this season. So we're looking at a historically bad secondary with three games, which featured the Dallas Cowboys nonetheless, that are ranked first or second in every passing metric. Overall, as a three-game schedule, we're looking at the seventh easiest of any teams through three weeks in the NFL. So these numbers are terrible, and they're coming against weak competition. Now Washington, I love the perception angle coming off of that Monday night game against the probably the best defense in the league. I'll debate that a bit with the Packers, but Thursday night football put a little bit of damper on that, but they're coming against that game against the Bears defense. No one's really looking to buy the Redskins. This price is holding steady. Washington throwing the ball the third most of any team in the NFL. 7.0 yards per pass. That's 15th. Likely to have a ton of success against the Giants, a team they know well, but also probably run the football well. Alec Ogletree and Tay Davis, both on the injury report for linebackers for the Giants. Uh, they were doing some practice roster upgrades and signing some free agents to fill the gap. And, oh, yeah, Saquon Barkley also going to be out for this one. He's pretty important to this Giants offensive 
regime. So from a price perspective, from a numbers perspective, everything's checking the boxes for me with the Redskins plus three. With you 100%, Adam. I also like Washington getting that field goal. And you're right about all the hype about Danny Dimes and nobody's sitting there talking about this Giants defense, which is just about as bad as a team that is actively tanking, at least the front offices in the Miami Dolphins. And as awful as the Redskins looked on Monday against the Bears, You know, Case Keenum did engineer a couple of long drives, a 66-yard drive, a 97-yard touchdown drive against that Bears defense in the second half. Now, Trubisky, they put that game out of reach in the first half, it seemed, but it was really one good quarter against the Washington defense. I know they're not very good, but it's not like the Bears offense was dominating them all game. So I also am on the Washington plus three. Speaking of the Bears, a big NFC North matchup coming up tomorrow. And this line opened with the Bears as three-point favorites. But now I'm seeing a lot of twos, some two and a half still out there. Even the Super Contest, they decided to close that line at one and a half earlier on in the week. And the total is 38. Any thoughts on this matchup or the market for this one? Well, I'm not sure how either of these teams are going to find any success moving the football. I think the Green Bay Packers and the Bears probably wanted to in terms of defense within the NFC. I don't think the Vikings are that far behind them. Um, And you just look at how these two teams match up uh, against each other. If there's somewhere that Trubisky really struggles, it's against pressure. Minnesota doing a very good job of generating pressure. If there's something that can blow up the Vikings, it's not only getting pressure on Kirk Cousins, but it's getting that downfield vertical pressure to sort of screw up the timing within that zone running scheme that Minnesota relies on running the football more than any other team through the first three weeks of the season. So defense on offense on both sides of the football, very problematic for either team here. I think this number is really coming down just in response to a bit of overreaction from Monday night football. I think the body of work that the Vikings have put together in the first three weeks of the season, much more impressive than that of the Chicago Bears, who very well could have lost that game on the road at Denver and be in a very different situation um, heading into week four here. So uh, I, I understand the price movement down on this one from the side perspective. And then to see the total come down from 39 to 38, uh, which looks like, depending on what happens with Jacksonville-Denver, is going to uh, rival that Tennessee Titans-Jacksonville-Jaguars <laughs> Thursday night football game for yeah. the lowest total of the season, if not lower. So I understand that movement as well with how these two defenses match up against the opposing offenses. Not a game that I'm going to be necessarily interested in backing either way, uh, but it's it's going to be very fun to watch both of these offenses try to come up with a game plan where they have any sort of sustained success. Listen to the Simple Handicap podcast and follow Adam Chernoff on Twitter by his name, at Adam Chernoff. Adam, this was great information. Thank you so much for coming on Early Odds today. Thanks for having me on. Enjoy the weekend of games. Big thanks to Adam Chernoff for hopping on the show this week. I'm going to tweet out my five NFL contest picks that I'm using for the Circa Million later today. You can find those at Joe0670 at Joe0670. Inside the Clubhouse is next with Bruce Levine and Mike Esposito. I'm on my way to South Bend for Notre Dame and Virginia. Best of luck with your betting today and tomorrow. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.